Hello, amigos, and gracias for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it's brought to you by one badass fightwear company. I, of course, am talking about ADK Fightwear. When did geese and fightwear become so expensive? I don't know. Maybe some college student will write a thesis on it because it's out of control. But you know what? You could go to adkfightwear.com right now and get yourself the fade to green spats for $29. What? That's right. The fade to green spats for $29. ADK Fightwear brings you fightwear that looks cool, feels good, and isn't going to kill you in the wallet department. But you know what? Don't just take my word for it. Let's listen to Yoel Romero, future middleweight title contender. Yoel, what do you think of ADK Fightwear? I love it! That wasn't really Yoel, but you get the point. Go to ADKFightwear.com, enter in promo code TURTLE, get yourself a 10% discount. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast with UFC fighter Arjun Buller, and it starts right meow. This is Daniel Gumby reeling with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and we have the pleasure of start talking to Arjun Buller, who fights Adam Rozik at UFC on Fox 29 in Glendale, Arizona on April 14th. Arjun, I want to start with a kind of an unconventional first question here. So our first interview we had scheduled for a couple of weeks ago, uh, but it got postponed due to the, the birth of your first child. So first of all, congratulations on the birth of your first child, and second of all, What's it sort of been like uh, getting back to training after, you know, such a monumentous event in your life? Yeah, uh, thank you for that. Uh, it's, it's been amazing. Uh, obviously, adjustments and priorities have shifted, um, all that stuff, but it was all pre-planned. Um, we knew her her arrival was uh, any day, and we had a great uh, plan in place to kind of help me stay the course on, on the upcoming fight that's coming. And uh, so, so you know, ex- excited, happy, um, all that stuff. Uh, but at the same time, in the gym as as, as needed and, and on track as needed. Yeah, and I've heard fighters, too, say before in the past, uh, you know, Donald Cerrone just said it uh, with the birth of his child on the way, that he feels uh, extra motivated to go in there and perform for his, his son or daughter or whatever one he's having. Do you feel extra, ex- like, pressure to perform for your daughter? For sure. it's not. I don't consider it pressure. I, I consider it motivation. I consider it extra purpose um, to the... Uh, motive, which adds to the motivation and purpose I already had. So, whatever we were, you know, kind of training with and 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 using as fuel has just been, uh, uh, you know, multiplied. And uh, you know, this is the ultimate motivation. If if you ask me, you got a pair of eyes that look up to you, and um, that you know, and a human body that now relies on you. So if that's not motivation enough, uh, you know, I don't know what it's going to take. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're excited to hear it. So l- let's talk a little bit more about the, the MMA world around you, too. So last time we had you on the show, you stated that you thought that res- wrestling was still king in the MMA world. Uh, obviously, looking back at the last title fight in your division with the uh, Stipe Miocic's performance and then Daniel Cormier getting the the next uh, title shot. Do you sort of feel vindicated by uh, how well that wrestlers have started to do in the heavyweight division? They've always done well. Look at it historically. Whoever has stuck around the longest and dominated, it's always been wrestlers, um, especially in the upper weights because, you know, any, any one shot uh, is, a, is a kill shot uh, at the upper weights. So you need to know how to wrestle. Um, and for sure, you know, I watched those 
uh, fights closely, especially my guy Cormier. Um, and, and now we get to see both of those guys tangle Stipe and him. So I'm excited um, to see that and uh, excited for the sport of wrestling. It, it, uh, it needs to get the credit it deserves. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned being excited about seeing those two wrestle because they both are phenomenal wrestlers. Who do you think has the advantage there uh, when it comes to uh, that fight? I think it's going to be a heck of a fight. I think DC brings a lot of uh, stylistic questions to this matchup uh, that, you know, previously have been unanswered by Stipe. He's never fought a fighter like Daniel, um, someone who can wrestle him, someone, uh, you know, who can come forward on him and last uh, the entire five rounds um, like Daniel Cormier will. So so those, those are big question marks. And, uh, you know, in return, too, he offers the challenges that DC maybe hasn't seen um, as well. You know, someone with that kind of size and athleticism that Stipe has. And, and you know, to be honest, Stipe's, you know, broken the record for championship defenses, so he's seasoned. Um, so it's going to be a great fight, great matchup. Obviously, um, you know, I feel Daniel's going to take it. He's been successful at heavyweight. He's been successful at light heavyweight. Um, he's the greatest of all time, um, and uh, I think he's going to prove it again come uh, July 7th. There you have it. So uh, let's let's talk a little about your fight. So you're fighting Adam Rosarek, uh, who won his debut back in November. Now, he's like five inches taller than you, and I'd imagine he's got quite the reach advantage here, too, without giving away too much of uh, how you plan on dealing with that. You know, how do you deal with the difference that's so great? I've been I've been in there with guys with that kind of height before, that kind of reach advantage um, in the fight game, uh, in competition, in wrestling. Um, you know, I'm used to being, uh, uh, you know, the smaller guy, uh, um, but the guy with the better footwork, the guy with a with a, a more speed, more power, more gas tank, better skill set, uh, more insides uh, than any of these guys. I'll bring the fight, and that's what I intend on doing with Adam. I'm gonna come forward. I'm gonna be up in his face. And I'm gonna beat him up for the whole time. Yeah, and we're, we're super excited to, to see what you're bringing again. And I, I want to take it back to your last fight a little bit, too, because, you, you know, you won your debut in September. You know, it seemingly looked like you got through the fight uh, without, you know, too much damage. Was there a reason why it took so long to, to get back in there as, as April? Uh, or was was it sort of just uh, going back to the drawing board, working on some things? Uh, no, both. Uh, we're obviously working on continuing re, uh, getting better, um, and, and which I have. Um, and that will be always the formula moving forward. But at the same time, we were also looking at, um, you know, the timing of the next fight and where it was going to be is very key because, you know, we want to be able to connect with Indian fans if possible. Um, so we were looking at the schedule, and there weren't too many cities with major Indian populations. You had Texas, you had Charlotte, you had, um, you know, a few of these, but none of those really made sense. Uh, the London-England card made sense, um, and we made a move for that. It didn't work out. We've got April 14th in Glendale. April 14th is an Indian holiday. It's our Cinco de Mayo. It's called Vasaki. And it's celebrated worldwide by by, by all Indians and all six. Um, so it, it's going to be phenomenal. Um, we couldn't have had a better date to capitalize uh, on for for uh, for other opportunities uh, in terms of marketing and promo and, and making a greater impact um, by fighting. So we've got... Uh, you know, some amazing things coming up. Uh, you know, uh, I'll be in the Phoenix area in the coming weekend uh, doing promo work down there at the Phoenix Suns game with the Warriors, uh, meeting with the Indian community um, uh, down there, uh, basically a month out from our fight. And even the the day of the fight, you're going to see there's a, there's a couple of things we have planned um, to help celebrate 
um, this Indian holiday uh, with the UFC. Uh, we partnered up for some special things uh, come fight night. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a cool cool next month, man. Yeah, and and we had heard that you were you were cleared to wear a turban for the the event or for your walkout, which is would be the first time a UFC fighter has ever done that. How did you go about getting the UFC's clearance for that? And were you sort of surprised that they were uh, open to the idea? Uh, no, you know, I think it was. I said it before and I'll say it again. I think it was, you know, uh, either miscommunication or or uh, we didn't uh, we didn't foresee that challenge uh, and we didn't bring it up ahead of time. And you know, employees on the ground can't can't make those kind of calls. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time something like that had come up, um, and uh, and I completely understood that. Um, and we 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 connected with with UFC legal and the higher ups after that fight. Um, and, and now ahead of this one, just to make sure, hey, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want to go through this again. And they're on the same page. They, the company sees the value uh, of allowing diversity and uh, inclusion and connecting with Indian fans. And that's where I think they're coming from on this. Um, and on our end, um, you know, for me to be able to do that for my people, uh, that brings, brings me great fulfillment. Um, and again, you know, the fight is on an Indian holiday as well. So it's, it's perfect that it all, it's all coming together for April 14th. Yeah, that's really exciting. Um, in a, in a great time, uh, to be tapping into a market that, that maybe we don't have too much, uh, too, too, too much tapped into in the past. Um, I, I do want to, to transition real quick here to a, a different topic too, because, uh, while we have Jan, we, we know that you're, you have, connections to the wwe so we feel remiss if we would not ask a question about it so knowing that you're a wrestling fan and knowing that you know you and gender uh are really close uh sort of what have you thought about the transition from mma to wwe uh that some of the fighters like ronda rousey have made and whether or not you would ever be interested in the same thing yeah you know i'm a big fan of gender big fan uh of, of what he's doing over there i think you should be the u.s champ already um, but he's working on it. Um, and, and for me, I've always been a fan of, of pro wrestling growing up, uh, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I actually had that opportunity, um, to go through the, the development system down in Florida, um, you know, after the Olympics and before I committed to this MMA journey I'm on. Um, but, you know, it's, I think it goes, uh, you gotta have, you know, gender said it best when Rhonda came out, you have to have passion, um, for that to be able to do it day in, day out. They have such a grueling schedule. Um, so, you know, uh, that, that part is challenging. Um, I like competition right now. I have passion for, for the entertainment aspect for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, down the road, uh, you know, anything can happen. I, I would love to be able to be able to dip into there. Um, it just makes sense. I've been a fan for a long time, especially when my competitive bug has kind of, uh, you know, come and gone. I think uh, that would be a logical step, um, and we'll cross that bridge when, it, when we come there. Yeah, well, we're certainly glad that you made the MMA step first. Uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, Arjun Buller fights Adam Razorik at UFC on Fox 29 in Glendale, Arizona on April 14th. Arjun, we thank you so much again for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Dan. And we, of course, are Dave and Dan with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and that was our interview with Arjun Buller. Dave, what would you think? Yeah, Arjun Buller, very exciting because, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Heavyweight division in UFC needed some new blood, and this is new blood. He's 1-0 in the UFC, but all the potential in the world, 
And, you know, between him and um, Francis Naganu, obviously, and hey, now I don't want to get sidetracked here, but one performance does not make a man. It was his first title fight. Francis Naganu is still a thing, even though he's an older guy. And someone like Arjun Buller, this is the life that needed to be injected into the heavyweight division. Yeah, I really love, too, that he has that uh, amateur wrestling background as a former Olympian for Canada. I just think that that leads to so much potential. And, and we've talked about it before, too, the fact that he is uh, Indian opens up a whole new market for the UFC, and it's sort of an untapped market. You saw the WWE get really big with his friend, that Jinder Mahal, recently. Yeah, and and this gives him the opportunity sort of to be the one to crack that market. He could be a superstar overnight because of that. And you just saw it this past weekend with uh, Alexander Volkov upsetting Fabricio Verdum. This is quite the time to be alive again in the UFC heavyweight division. There's new blood, and Arjun is right at the center of that, I believe. Mm -hmm. I agree, too. All right, Gumby, we laid this out on our Twitter. Uh, The next couple of weeks, our combat countdowns are going to be uh, centered around and paying homage to Habib versus Tony at UFC 223 in Brooklyn. And we're starting with this week, Habib's top five performances. Next week, we'll go to Tony's top five performances. Then we'll talk about the greatest lightweight matchups ever, because we think this is on paper the greatest lightweight matchup we've ever had. Knock on wood, God willing. Let's hope no one gets a tiramisu injury, no weight cutting issues, no nothing. We want this fight to happen. And then after the fight, That following week, we will count down the top five greatest UFC lightweights of all time because we imagine the fight results will play heavily into that. One of these guys is going to cement their legacy that week. So let me start with this, Gumby. How excited are you for Habib versus Tony? I'm sort of a tapered level of excitement. I feel like I've gotten excited too many fucking times for this fight. Uh, UFC fandom self doesn't want to get too excited for this. But as far as this fight card on paper... Certainly, uh, even uh, apart from the main event, this card is freaking sick. So uh, even if for some reason something did happen to this fight, this card would be exciting. But I'm hoping, hoping well, to God. Well, like who? Like who? Who, do you, who are you excited uh, about? I, I love Calvin Cater versus uh, Hanato Moicano. I think that that's just like a super exciting matchup of like two guys who could definitely be uh, contenders in the near future at featherweight. Um, I also really, really, really love anytime you get to see Joe Lozon in a fight. Joe Lozon's fighting Chris Grootsmacher, which might not be a household name, but it's a fun fight. You can't not get excited about Michael Chiesa, Anthony Pettis. There's Ally Akita, Paul Felder. Oh, yeah, Ray Borg versus Brandon Moreno is like a legitimate flyweight fight there. And then even if you go all the way to the first fight on the fight pass prelims is Zagat, Zabit Magomed Sharapov versus Kyle Bochniak. That's the first fight of the night. And That's we, crazy. We know we've discussed it on this podcast. If you are a loyal fan, and we thank you for that, you, of course, can listen to us wherever a podcast is being streamed, write a review, give us a subscribe. We really appreciate it. We are huge Zabit fanboys. Like you said, he's kicking off the fight past prelims. And not to mention, we got the Rose versus Joanna rematch, which I'm very excited about. Did I necessarily need the instant rematch? No, we talked about that, but it doesn't make me any less excited for it. And that's, I, I got one more thing you should be excited about. Yeah. Let, let me ask you on a on a scale from one to ten, how excited are you about Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres versus Artem Chuchu Loboff? Yeah, I'm about a five and a half on that, but I will <laughs> tell you, I'm about a nine point nine on Carolina Kowalkovitz just beat downing Felice Herrig. 
I'm, I'm not so sure she's just going to beat her down. I, I actually like Herrick in that fight. We'll, we'll probably get into it a little bit closer to fight time, but Herrick, to me, definitely has got some, some underdog gusto there that I think uh, is potentially... Um, I, I won't say I'm going to go with her for the upset, but I'm going yeah, it's going to be closer than people think. You, sir, are insane. Uh, Carolina <laughs> is going to turn her face into mincemeat. Although, you know what? Felice is riding a four-fight win streak, but you know what? Yeah. She also lost to Paige Van Zandt. So anyway, um, <laughs> we'll keep going. We're starting with our combat countdown. All things Habib. It's Habib's top five performances. So excited about this. Again, if you're a loyal listener of the show, you know that I am a Habib fanboy, Gumby, the Tony fanboy, but we both respect the fuck out of uh, either fighter. If Habib didn't exist, I'd probably ma- name Tony my current favorite fighter. These two, what makes this matchup so special is one, they're both, you know, Habib's undefeated. Tony's riding a crazy win streak himself. And I believe what makes Habib so daunting for anybody is you're going to get mauled on the ground. What makes Tony so great is um, he's fucking unbreakable. He throws up submissions from the ground. It's kind of the perfect antidote to Habib. Uh, I, well, I, I, go ahead. I think the best part about him is that he throws in submissions on the way to the ground. Mm-hmm. And and that's what's deadly for Habib. That and that lead uppercut, which is just deadly for wrestlers. We will get into the actual breakdown of the fight the week before, but you know, just want to say how excited we are, and we hope that is coming across in the fact that we're dedicating the next month of shows to this one fucking yeah. matchup, which better not get canceled. So, Gumby, I will ask you, are you ready for this week's combat countdown? Oh, yes, I am. No, no, no. I don't think you understood me. We are counting down to Habib versus Tony Ferguson at <laughs> UFC 223. I said, are you ready? Hell yeah. All right. Let's cue that weird guy who plays our combat countdown intros. It's time for the combat countdown. All right, Dave. So we're going to start off this combat countdown. I'm going to kick it over to you to start. Let's first talk about some of the Habib fights that maybe didn't make it onto the list, the honorable mentions, if you will, uh, that we just can't help but mention before we get to the top five. Yeah, so when we're talking about the criteria for this top five list, it's best performances, and we'll do the same thing with Tony next week. So Habib is a very special fighter, right? I mean, undefeated in the UFC, uh, known for his mauling tactics on the ground. And when he goes up against Tony... This is not going to be something easy. He's not going to finish Tony in the first minute. Spoiler alert. So while it was tempting to put in fights like Habib, uh, you know, uh, knocking out Tiago Tavares with some nasty, nasty elbows, or his debut against Kamal Shalaras uh, with a rear naked choke in the third round, very impressive, but we were also looking at the strength of opponents. So when we name these top five Habib performances, we also took into account who he was facing, and how good that person was. Because guess what? Tony is no easy walk in the park for fucking anyone. And it's going to be a war at 223. And we kind of wanted these top five performances to reflect that. So, with all due respect to Daryl Horcher and the <laughs> 1980s WWF squash match that Habib put on him that day, Daryl Horcher did not make the list. So, with that said, those were the honorable mentions, was the two finishes, um, you know, against Tavares. If you've never seen that fight, nasty, nasty stoppage. Go out of your way to watch it, but it did not make our top five. All right, so let's get to what the actual top five was. (laughs) A little bit of change here. 
I am going to be counting down the five today, and Dave will be giving you uh, the description. So number five on our list was Habib's win over Abel Trujillo at UFC 160. Dave, why is it on number five? All right, so it's number five, and it had to be in the top five, because he set a record for takedowns in a fight. Uh, He took down Abel Trujillo 25 times. Uh, Sorry, 21 times. And that is just absolutely insane. But here's the glasses half empty on that, Gumby, to be quite honest with you. He let Abel Trujillo get up 21 times. So it's an, it's an eye-popping performance. It was not an easy day in the park for Abel Trujillo. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. But as you'll see in a couple of seconds, there were better performances on the list against, all due respect to Abel Trujillo, better fighters as well. It Definitely deserve to be in the top five, but I'm very happy with it at number five, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'll be a little bit of a Habib apologist here, because I actually think some of those takedowns um, were, were really good, because he doesn't let him get all the way up. He got to, like, hands and knees, and he, mm-hmm. like, dropped him on his face again. So, so there is some pretty heavy stuff in there. Anyway, we're going to move on to number four. Number four is his victory over Pat Healy at UFC 165. All right, so here's the difference between the Trujillo and the Healy fight. The, the reason Healy's ranked a little further ahead than Trujillo by one spot is because Pat Healy at the time was a fucking murderer in a lot of ways. This is a guy who challenged for a strike force title. He was a veteran even back then. It was uh, Habib's uh, toughest te- t- test to date at the time, and this was at UFC 165, Jones versus, versus Gustafson. Um, you know, I mean, Gumby, you've been watching Healy for a long time. Healy... Not, he's almost Tony-esque in that he was very durable. He wasn't going to break easily. And that's why I thought it was good to get this on the top five because it's a fight that Habib tired him, okay? He actually came out striking a lot, and I actually implore, I implore fans to go back and watch this fight versus Pat Healy because what you'll see is Habib comes out with flying knees he comes out with really funky striking he's attempting low kicks he's attempting high kicks and about midway through round two and i've watched every habib fight multiple times midway through round two against pat healy didn't really attempt to take down up until that point is when habib said fuck this striking shit if you watch him in his earlier fights before round two of pat healy habib would try to strike whereas now the habib we all know and love he don't play that game homies he just goes right for the bear mauling does that you know what i'm trying to say gumby oh i i know exactly what you're saying and and to sort of go back to your point about how pat healy is a more quality opponent there people have to remember this is a moment where pat healy was coming off a submission win over jim miller Mm-hmm. Which is is just a crazy win for him. It was his first UFC fight after the Strike Force buyout. He got Jim Miller. He beat him by submission. It later got overturned due to marijuana testing positive. Um, but Pat Healy was a killer at the time. Yeah, exactly. So very comfortable with that at number four. All right, so let's check out what number three was. Number three was his victory over Michael Johnson at UFC 205. This was a crazy win. Dave, tell me how this didn't get any higher than three. I'm so glad you asked, Gumby. It's almost as if I prompted you to ask me that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, you know, this led to a finish in the third round. 
Uh, if you've never seen the fight, I, of course, encourage you to go back and watch it. Uh, this is famous for Habib talking shit to Dana White in between rounds and while ground and pounding Michael Johnson, saying the title should be mine. Give me your son, Conor McGregor. Hilarious stuff. It's everything you would want in a in a performance. And one you could even point to, you know what, you can almost argue these top three are somewhat interchangeable. But here's why I have this one at three. Uh, it's just because Michael Johnson on the ground, you know, once he got there and Michael Johnson rocked him, let's not forget that within the first couple of seconds of that fight. But, uh, the two people that you will see at number two and number one, and if you're any much of a UFC fan, and I take it, you are, if you're listening to our show, you probably can guess who two and one are two and one are better on the ground than Michael Johnson. So that's why Michael Johnson is three, even though it does end in a, uh, a finish, whereas two and one end in a decision. So, you know, Habib got the Kimura in round three after just mauling like a bear, Michael Johnson. It's an incredible performance. It is definitely an incredible performance, but not as incredible as our number two, which is his victory over Edson Barboza at UFC 219. That's right. And this just happened. Uh, you know, Habib outstruck Edson Barboza, Edson Barboza 89 to 25, landed four takedowns in the fight, as opposed to only registered two takedowns for Michael Johnson. Why is that? Because once he got Johnson down, it was just five straight minutes of a mauling each round. Uh, with Edson, though, there's this famous scene in the fight, and I think Joe Rogan brought this up. It should really be like a meme. It's Edson's face. Round two, I believe, yeah, it's round two after Habib takes him down again. He kind of got his second wind under him. He thinks, oh, man, maybe I'm going to come back here, score some crazy kick like Edson Barbosa does. And no, Habib just said, I'm dragging you back into the ocean where I am the shark. And the look on Edson's face, he looked like a prisoner captured behind enemy lines. So, again... Go back and watch all these fights in the lead up to Tony. They're all great. They're all showing Habib at his very best, just mauling people to death. And the other thing I really liked about the Edson fight, you know, he hadn't fought in exactly a year over Michael. Uh, he had just beaten Michael Johnson at 205. That was in November of 2016. Comes back in December of 2017 to fight Edson. And if you remember, the uh, the Tony fight was canceled earlier that spring in 2017. So this was a big performance for Habib because it showed he could make the weight again. And I think a lot of people talk themselves into thinking that Edson could outstrike Habib. We saw what happened where Michael Johnson rocked him. And Habib just said, no, 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 no. I'm still Habib. He took over the fight and he destroyed Edson Barbosa. Yeah, and uh, I completely agree with that. And I love your choice here for number one, which we're going to talk about in just a second, because while Michael Johnson and Edson Barbosa are decent on the ground, number one is a champion who made his bread and butter, who got the championship fight, who won the championship fight by doing some dirty work on the ground. So that number one on our list is his victory over RDA at UFC on Fox 11. Yeah, that was headlined by Verdum versus Brown. And here's what's so crazy and why this had to be number one. This uh, book ended uh, two five-fight win streaks for RDA. So what I mean by that was RDA was on a five-fight win streak. So was Habib, obviously. Uh, Habib mauled him, won the fight by unanimous decision, and then RDA went on to another five-fight win streak and won the title, mind you. So Habib was the meat in a five-fight win streak sandwich, or really a ten-fight win streak sandwich. I mean, when you think about it, over those 11 fights, RDA went 10-1. and one. How many fighters in UFC history have gone 10-1 and one over 11 fights? That is 
fucking insane. Put the women and children to bed. I'm sorry I'm cursing, but I think it calls for it in this situation. RDA, two five-fight win streaks that Habib... And a title! And a title that Habib's in the middle of just saying, nah, man, I'm going to maul you to death. And the only best way to describe the performance, if you haven't seen it in a while, or if you're not going to go back and watch it, Habib scored six takedowns, um, outstruck him 36 to 20. You know, the majority of those strikes were also when RDA was on the ground, obviously. Uh, but it was a ragdolling. He ragdolled RDA. Can you think of or name anyone else who ragdolled RDA? Because all I can think of is Eddie Alvarez, uh, you know, clocked him and knocked him out, but no one has ever ragdolled RDA like that. No, I would completely agree. And the only other name that comes to mind other than Habib and Eddie Alvarez, who really put it to RDA, is... Tony Ferguson, uh, who we'll get to next week. But first, let's recap our combat countdown of this week. Uh, our top five, once again, Habib's greatest performances. Number five was Abel Trujillo at UFC 160. Follow that back with number four, Pat Healy at UFC 165. Number three was Michael Johnson at UFC 205, uh, followed closely at number two by Edson Barboza at UFC 219. And our number one Habib performance was his ragdolling of RDA at UFC on Fox 11. So there you have it. If you disagree with our list, if you think something else belongs on the list rather than one of our picks, hit us up on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. You can also send us love or hate mail at our Gmail account. That's MMA at gmail.com. We're accepting, like I said, love and hate mail. All right, so that about wraps it up for us, Gumby. Anything else we got to hit? Any sponsors we got to thank? Anything we got to tell our loyal listeners other than the fact that next week's Combat Countdown will be centered on Tony Ferguson's top five greatest performances? Yeah, our Combat Countdown this week was brought to you by a wonderful company. It's known as GarageFit. So GarageFit brings you garage equipment so that you can set up your own home gym. So when you can't get to the gym because you've got jujitsu or because you've got kids or because you've got to run to the bake sale or whatever it is, you can still get a quality workout at home using GarageFit. They've got the weighted vest for when you do your sprints. They've got those weighted ropes that you can work out with. They've got plyo boxes. They've got everything, and they can help you out. Go to garagegym.net. Check out what they've got for you. I'm sure you won't be disappointed. Here's the question. Do you think Habib uh, would enjoy a GarageFit workout? I'm sure he's got a garage fit where I'm sure he's got some crazy shit going on in whatever uh, New Jersey castle he now owns. Is he uh, is he training out of Jersey or is he still with uh, um, what's it called? I think, in San Jose? I think he's out of a- I think he's out of AKA, but um, he doesn't he have a spot in Jersey he trains too? Are you thinking- maybe I'm just thinking that because his his manager is out of Jersey? Yeah, well, and Maga Shaparov trains out of Jersey oh. with Mark Henry, but I don't know. Maybe Habib does too. Something to look I, into. For some reason, I thought Habib had like some Jersey tie to him. Maybe I'm wrong, but he definitely trains at AK. You're right about that. I mean, I would love to see a reality TV show where Habib just goes around the Jersey Shore and just fucks people up on the boardwalk <laughs> or put Habib in the Jersey Shore reunion, and I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> situation. Yeah. You're no situation. You're an idiot. He just brings his fucking bear. <laughs> I like that. All right, so that about wraps it us for uh, wraps it up for us. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Thanks to our sponsors, ADK, Dead Frog Brewery, Garage Fit, and thanks to our mothership, FlowCombat.com. And thanks to you for listening. 
Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. We'll be back next week. It's a combat countdown centered around Tony Ferguson's top five performances. We'll see you then.